Hey guys, this is Reagan. In this episode, we're going to be talking about one of my favorite books, Deep Work by Cal Newport. I'm going to offer you a little bit of summary, some of my favorite takeaways from it, and apply a little bit of Christian discernment to it to talk about ways that we might take some of the principles from this book and use them to better bring God glory with our lives, to better serve others. So I'm excited for this episode. This has been one I've been really looking forward to doing. Uh, but before we get into that, I want to ask a favor of you. If you're enjoying this podcast, can you please real quick, go leave a review of it. That helps other people to find it. It makes me feel so good about myself <laughs> just to see all those five-star reviews. That's really the real reason. No, but seriously, it does help people to find it, I'm told. Uh, so if you could take a sec to do that, I would really appreciate it. I also want to say thank you to my patrons. If it weren't for you guys, I would not be able to keep doing this. Your financial support of this show helps me do it. So thank you. And if you are interested in helping support the show, you can join my Patreon as well. For as little as five bucks a month, I will send you some stickers, you get access to behind the scenes updates, and you support the creation of this podcast. You can do that by going to patreon.com slash redeemingprod. That's patreon.com slash redeemingprod, P-R-O-D. Productivity was too long of a word. They wouldn't let me use it. <laughs> uh, and there's a link to that in the show notes as well. Appreciate you guys. Thank you. Let's get into this episode. Welcome to the Redeeming Productivity Show. This is the podcast that helps Christians get more done and get it done like Christians. And I'm your host, Reagan Rose. In this episode, I want to talk about one of my favorite all-time books, Deep Work by Cal Newport. This is a book that has it's not an exaggeration to say that it's changed my life. Just recently, we went through this book in the book club for Redeeming Productivity Academy, which is my membership program. Speaking of that, registration for that will be reopening again soon. I'll be sure to let you guys know when that happens. But part of that program is we do a book club. And each month we read through a book on productivity or the Christian life and we discuss it. And so after rereading Deep Work for the book club... I wrote a massive, and I mean massive, book summary of it. And I'll be publishing that at the same time this episode comes out. So look at the uh, show notes if you want to look at a massive summary of the book from a Christian perspective. And I guess that's what I want to do in this episode is I want to sort of hit some highlights of this book, things that really stood out to me. And particularly what I want to do in this episode is I want to talk about how deep work is really beneficial for Christians. And unlike my kind of tongue-in-cheek uh, review of getting things done, I don't have much beef with Cal Newport. I really like this book. I really like his approach. But I do have some thoughts that I think will be particularly beneficial for believers. So let's just sort of begin with a summary here. What is Deep Work? Why should you care about this book? Well, the name of the book is Deep Work, but that's really the topic of it, too. The, then this phrase, Deep Work, it's a shorthand way of referring to a type of concentrated work which pushes one's cognitive abilities to the limit. It forces you to oust distractions and really focus on what you're doing. So it's a, it's a particular type of work. And in his book, Newport argues that people who work with this type of intense focus for long periods of time will end up producing more value from their work. They will stand out in the crowd and they will enjoy more satisfaction in their work. 
And the reason this book is so necessary is actually really in the subtitle. It's, he says it's rules for focused success in a distracted world. I think that we would all agree we live in distracted times. Modernity is sort of at odds with this kind of depth. We have to intentionally foster habits that promote deep work if we want to produce valuable work with our lives. And this has been my experience for sure. When I went full-time with Redeeming Productivity back in March of this year, I radically committed myself to doing deep work. I had spent way too much in the shallows, way too much time just jumping from thing to thing to thing in my previous working life, living in email, living in the news after that. And what I really wanted to do was if I was going to do this thing, if I was going to commit myself full time to writing and talking about productivity from a Christian worldview, I wanted to make sure that I was doing it well. I wanted the work I produced to be high quality. And I knew that that required depth. And I think for Christians, if you're somebody who wants to make the most of your life for God's glory, man, you need to work deeply. You need to have focus. You cannot operate how most modern people do, which is in a, just a absolute constant fog of distraction. But if you want to live a life that, that really has an impact for eternity and for the people around you, and for God's glory, man, you got to work deeply. So let's talk about some of the principles of deep work that Newport gives in the book. And I'll, I'll give you sort of my take on some of them. Um, maybe we'll start here. What is deep work? Uh, in this Newport's actual definition, and I quote, deep work are those professional activities performed in a state of distraction-free concentration that push your cognitive capabilities to their limit. These efforts create new value, improve your skill, and are hard to replicate. You know, when we think about deep work, it really, it's, it's best understood in contrast to what we're used to, which we would call shallow work. And that really makes up the life, uh, if you're an office worker, or if you're somebody who works with computers in any degree, that really is what our lives is made up of. It's shallow work. Newport calls these non-cognitively demanding logistical style tasks, often performed while distracted. He said these efforts tend to not create much new value in the world and are easy to replicate. That's not what I want. I don't just want to phone it in at work or in life or in anything that I'm doing. You know, obviously there's some degree of logistical stuff we have to do, but I, I don't want that to be the sum total of my life. I want to do deep work. And so there's several benefits that Newport says deep work has. One is that it's valuable in our modern knowledge economy. There's really two ways that you can thrive as a professional. One is having the ability to master hard things quickly. If you can learn new software, new coding, new systems, new whatever, faster than other people. Since the world's changing so fast, the people who can adapt quickest have an edge. The second way to thrive as a professional in the modern knowledge economy is being able to produce at elite levels of quality and speed. And so Newport's thesis is if, if, if learning things quickly and being able to produce at elite level are sort of the, way, the two ways to thrive in the modern world, well, guess what? 
working deeply and focused and concentrated are ways to to master both of those. You can only learn quickly through really applying yourself and focusing. And you can only produce at an elite level if you really apply yourself and focus on it. So deep work is valuable. The second benefit of deep work is that it's rare. It's not common. And the scarcity of the of deep work, the fact that nobody really does this, makes it even more valuable if you do do it. It means those who embrace concentrated work are going to stand out from the crowd because the value they create will exceed that of those people who only work shallowly, right? It's your leg up. It's your advantage. Newport says in the book, our work culture's shift toward the shallow is exposing a massive economic and personal opportunity for the few who recognize the potential of resisting this trend and prioritizing depth. So deep work is beneficial because it is valuable and it is rare. And third, because it's meaningful. Deep work is beneficial because it's meaningful. This is how I would put this one. Shallow work is why you hate your job. Shallow work is why you hate your job. Many knowledge workers often find that their job just isn't satisfying and they're frustrated. And part of this, I think, is obviously due to the intangibility of the product of knowledge work. We've talked about this on here before. You know, pushing paper doesn't have the same visible results as, you know, building a car from scratch or something like that. But I don't think it's a whole story. Knowledge work also can lack meaning because it's shallow. Without any sort of sense of progress or completion, if you do just a bunch of shallow tasks throughout the day, like answering a bunch of emails, and you come home and you say, what did I do today? That is what is so frustrating. You don't feel like you're actually doing anything. It's just this never-ending parade of emails and, and meetings. That does not a meaningful life make. And so you may come home with a paycheck, but you're kind of in the back of your head. You're saying, what did I really produce? Like, what did I really do today? And that makes you hate your job when it feels unmeaningful. But what Newport argues is that deep work, on the other hand, it naturally forces you to create quality work and complete work and work that you're actually proud of. And that provides you that sense of accomplishment and purpose, which I think God made us for. He made us to look at our work, put our hands on our hips and say, yep, I did a good job. That's, that is done. You can have that experience even in knowledge work, even though it's intangible when you work deeply and focused on a task. Okay, let's dig into a little bit of the how, and then I want to talk about my Christian-y perspective on this and how we can adapt some of this or consider it from a biblical worldview, okay? So how do you do this? How do you actually maximize deep work in your life, make it happen? Well, what Newport says in the book is really there's, this is a two-front battle. This is a two-front war. On the one hand, you need to find ways to carve out time to go deep on tasks. Like that's pretty obvious, right? If you want to do deep work, how do you do this? Well, you need to find chunks of time that are really long and undistracted. But that's not the whole story because there's a whole other side of this battle that has to do with fighting off or holding at bay the shallow stuff. And so the way I put it is, is to, to fight the battle for deep work, you have to do two things. You have to, one, you have to minimize the shallow activities in your life. And two, you need to optimize for depth. Minimize the shallow, 
optimize for depth. And so that means holding at bay distractions, things that want to grab at your attention and embracing and, and creating routines that allow you to go deep. And so Newport talks through these principles in several rules he gives in the latter half of the book. You know, rule one, he says, work deeply. And he gives some sort of different philosophies for how you might approach this. He talks in here also about embracing boredom. I have more of this in my book summary that you can read. It's not enough that we add deep work to our schedule. We have to eliminate our addiction to distraction. I mean, you know this, like the second you start feeling bored, what do you do? Well, I get out my smartphone. You know, you open up a game or you check your messages. Like this world was never like this before that you could just instantly escape from anything that feels even slightly difficult cognitively and escape to something easier. Uh, and what he talked about in here is basically concentration is a skill and we're losing it because we're scared to death to be bored and we're just constantly on our phones. And so we have to train it. And he gives some advice on how to train yourself to be more concentrated and, and be better at focusing. He has some radical ideas about um, how you use the internet, scheduling in advance when you will use the internet, not using the internet for entertainment, which is like, I mean, the internet's the only place I get entertainment. But like he, he's just very, very radical in his thoughts on this. And I think it's worth considering, right? I think it's worth considering. This is something that I think a lot of times we're wary of lifestyle changes that would put us out of step with the world. Like even if you're hearing this and, you hear, and you're thinking, man, that'd be so beneficial if I wasn't distracted all the time. I could, I could really go a lot deeper with the work I'm doing to produce more quality results. But I don't want to be weird. <laughs> Look, I mean, if you're a Christian, you got to embrace the weirdness. We're weird people. We are. We believe that God created this universe, that, that man fell into sin, that we're guilty before God. And we believe that 2,000 years ago, God sent his son as a man to live a perfect life that we couldn't live and die a death that we deserved. And that by putting our faith in this person, embracing full heartedly that bloody cross, we can be forgiven and adopted as sons and daughters. I mean, it sounds crazy, but that's what we believe. And that, that itself is out of step with the world. And I just think I'm ranting a little here, but I just think that we should be okay with being out of step with the world because we are, we're weirdos. Embrace it. And as the world becomes more and more and more dependent on technology and more and more distracted, more and more shallow, I just think that this book should be a check against that. And, and it's done it for people who don't even believe in eternity, who don't even believe in God. Like people are embracing deep work because they want to make more money in advance in their career. What I'm saying is how much more important is our mission that we should embrace an attitude, a lifestyle of producing quality work with our hands that glorifies God and serves other people. And if working deeply, if, if carving out ways to be concentrated, if, you know, radically limiting how much time I spend on the internet is the way to do that. Why wouldn't I? Why wouldn't I make those quote unquote sacrifices so that my life could be more useful? If somebody would do that so that they could advance in their career, why wouldn't I do that so that I can better serve God? Something to chew on. Okay. I want to turn to some considerations for Christians. How should Christians think about this 
book deep work or, or the concepts in it? Are they useful for us? Should we adopt them or adapt them? Well, I have a couple thoughts. You know, obviously this book is written from a secular perspective. It's written primarily to knowledge workers and the stated intent is that it would help people advance in their careers. So the whole point of optimizing for depth and concentration is is really to, to make more money or gain more status in the world. Um, and look, it's not wrong to, to focus on your career, have that grow, but it's not an ultimate aim. But I do think the book is instructive for Christians in all walks of life. And here's just a couple thoughts from a Christian perspective on deep work. First is deep work is quality work and excellence honors God. As Christians, our work should be marked by quality. Just as our creator in whose image we were made always fashions quality work, we too should be people whose work is not characterized by laziness or slipshod workmanship. It should be quality. It should be good. Whether you're working at a a fast food restaurant, in the home, on an assembly line, or, or at a computer at work, it should be good. You should be known for good quality craftsmanship. And I believe God is honored when we do excellent in our jobs when we give it our all, when we do our best. Obviously, that that needs to be done filled with faith and there's grace when we mess up. If you believe God is honored by quality, craftsmanship, and mastery in your labors, I really think you have to pursue deep work because I think that this book makes the case, and he's right, that in this distracted world, the way to pursue quality and good work is through pushing aside distractions and optimizing for depth. I think that that's true. I don't think there's anything, you know, unbiblical about that argument. I think he's right on. And so if that hypothesis is true, we need to embrace that as Christians so that what we make is quality and honors God. The second consideration I offer to you about how Christians should think about deep work is we become what we pay attention to. I think one side benefit of deep work is that it makes us more deliberate in what we aim our attention at. And the thing is, what we pay attention to shapes what we think and ultimately the people we become. In fact, Newport even says in the book, our brains construct our worldview based on what we pay attention to. If you only give your attention to shallow tasks or distractions, you're going to become a shallow person, right? If you're just always distracted on your phone and you, go to, you don't go deep on anything, you're going to be a shallow person. And deep work for the Christian, I think, means refusing to be molded by the nudges of modernity and its shallow influences and instead giving ourselves wholly to activities that please Christ. Whether it's in the prayer closet or in the office, depth honors God. Depth leads to quality. And the third consideration about deep work for Christians is deep work is a stewardship. You know, there wasn't much that I found to disagree with in this book, but one place that I did find myself disagreeing with Newport was that he limits the importance of deep work to a merely like pragmatic arena. And I think he's actually wrong about that. This is a quote from him from page 258. He says, a commitment to deep work is not a moral stance and it's not a philosophical statement. It is instead a pragmatic recognition that the ability to concentrate is a skill that gets valuable things done. 
Deep work is important, in other words, not because distraction is evil, but because it enabled Bill Gates to start a billion-dollar industry in less than a semester. And I just don't, I don't agree with that, specifically the part where he says deep work is not a moral stance. And this is funny because I'm actually saying I think Newport's work is more important than he thinks it is. But he's saying it's purely pragmatic. You should embrace deep work, he's arguing, not because it's good, but because it gets results. Because, you know, deep work, and he's referring back to the thing about Bill Gates, about an anecdote he shared about how Bill Gates started Microsoft. But my contention is if deep work does promote quality work, then Christians should care about it. Because we should care more than just about temporal results. What I mean is God is going to judge our work someday. And I, for one, am laboring for that well done, good and faithful servant. Although I I wouldn't mind having a billion dollars as well. But the main thing, the main thing is that well done, good and faithful servant. I want that weight of glory. I want when I see my master for him to be pleased with the work I did in his power for his glory by faith in his promises. That's what it's all about for me, man. And there may be temporal results if I embrace deep work. I think there are. Like, I think that that success often comes from you, you, you. If you do excellent at your work, you know, that tends to be recognized by the world. You tend to be rewarded for excellence. That's true. But this is the main difference here. We Christians are about deep work, not because of the pragmatic effects of it. I think we should be about deep work because of the eternal consequences of it. It leads to quality work. If done in the right heart attitude. It leads to us pleasing God with our lives. And so in that sense, yeah, I think deep work is a moral stance. And as far as it helps us produce more excellent and God-honoring labor, it's a moral good. And I think to avoid deep work then for like the easier path of being like just in the shallows or be like, ah, that's, that's too much work. I don't really care if my work is, is quality or not. I'm just here for a paycheck. I think that's a sort of faithlessness, honestly. If you're just sort of floating through your job to get a paycheck, you don't care about whether you do good work or not, that's a poor stewardship. It's a poor stewardship of your life if you're just phoning it in at work. You're here made by the King of Kings. You've been called to his eternal purposes when you were called in Christ Jesus, and he's left you here with a purpose on this earth. Are you going to do something about it? Are you going to do that well? Or are you just going to phone it in? And I think if you care about that stewardship, you're going to embrace some of these principles from, from this book, Deep Work. It, again, this is like a secular resource, but man, it has such practical advice on how you can produce higher quality work and higher quality work honors God. The last, I don't remember what number this is, but this is the last consideration for Christians that I had written down. And that's that deep work is scary. <laughs> it's scary for us. And and maybe this this goes beyond just Christians. But one of the things that I thought about as reading this is deep work, really, you might be tempted to shy away from this because it forces you to face up to your limits. What I mean is, is you're reading this book early on, you're like, man, this sounds so exciting. Like, here's, here's a way I can get an edge. I can, I can do meaningful work. I can feel happy and and proud of what I'm producing. But then you get further into it. And you're looking at the costs of what it's going to take to do this. And you're like, oh, well, I don't know. But then you come up against something truly frightening. Many of us 
in the face of failure have learned well this cop-out. Well, if I'd really tried, things would have been different. If I'd, re- if I'd been really trying, I would have succeeded. You ever done this? I've done this. I think we've all fallen for that cop-out once in a while. I remember I had a friend who was watching a pro soccer game and he said, you know, I could have been out there. It's like, what? What do you mean? He said, I, I played soccer in middle school. If I'd stuck with it and practice every day and, and really give myself to it, I could have been pro. It's like, okay, you may, maybe you could have. Honestly, maybe you could have. But you didn't. That's the difference. You didn't. And a lot of times we shy away from those activities, from going deep, from really giving ourselves fully to something because we're scared to death about what's going to reveal about our own abilities. That's scary. It is scary. And we spend our whole lives never really trying if we embrace this mindset. But what a waste. What a waste. Yeah, it can be frightening to really commit yourself to test your mettle. And, and deep work is going to force you to do that. Here's another quote from, from Newport. He says, there's an, also an uneasiness that surrounds any effort to produce the best things you're capable of producing. It forces you to confront the possibility that your best is not yet that good. Isn't that the fear? That if you really try, if you really say, I'm going to embrace this thing that's going to force me to give all of myself to make the best thing I can make with this life, what if it fails? What if it fails? And I just tell you from experience, I'll just use myself as an example. I mean, this is the fear I face every day. When I decided to do this redeeming productivity thing full time, it was the most scary thing ever. Obviously, there's fears that come with like from the financial stability side of it. Obviously, there's fear that people will reject it. But more than anything, there's the fear of failure. What if I, what if instead of having this be a hobby, I say, I think I can make this work. I think that if I give myself fully to it'll work. What if I do everything I can? What if I try my hardest and it flops? What does that say about me? Right? That's terrifying. But here, what's the antidote to this sort of fear? If you're afraid of trying as hard as you possibly can at something, man, you got to remember who you are in Christ Jesus. That's where your identity is. Your identity isn't in your success or failures. That's not what this is about. You are already a success because you are looked on by the God of the universe through the lens of Christ Jesus. And he looks on you and he doesn't just say, eh, He says, justified, righteous, my son, my daughter, beneficiary of an eternal inheritance. And he looks on our shabby work and he sees it sanctified again through the lens of Christ Jesus. That even the small things we do, even when we give our best and it's not enough for this world, God still sanctifies even our meager works. And he's glorified by them if they're done in faith, if they were done for the right reasons. That's amazing. That's amazing. And that truth should cause us to want to try our best in his power, for his glory, by faith in his promises. I just want to share with you one more consideration specifically for pastors. I know there's a lot of pastors who listen to this podcast. As I was researching for this article in this episode, in Jordan Rayner, who I had on a couple episodes ago, he has a podcast called The Call to Mastery. And he has an episode from earlier this year where he had Cal Newport, the author of this book, on. 
And one of the things that's interesting from that episode is Newport says that he hears from pastors about deep work and his other book, Digital Minimalism, more than any other group of people. You get that? He, he, the guy who wrote Deep Work says that he hears from pastors about Deep Work than almost any other group of people. I thought that is super interesting. That's super interesting. So here's my thoughts on this. All right. I think this is probably due to a few reasons because it got me thinking. I was like, why would this be? Why would pastors uh, be super interested in Deep Work particularly? I think there's a couple of reasons. I listed five. One, pastors are highly motivated to make the most of their time in light of trying to serve God. And so they care about depth to their work because they want to do quality. I think another one is pastors have a high degree of autonomy with how they spend their time. Anybody who, who's your job or whatever your career is, if you're an entrepreneur, that kind of thing, you're going to be more interested in time management than somebody whose time is more controlled by your boss or an external authority. You know what I mean? You're going to care about manage your time and pastors have autonomy over the time. So they want to learn how to use it. Well, third pastors have a limited accountability for how they spend their time. I think uh, a lot of pastors struggle because the temptation is you can be lazy. I mean, if you're in your study, you can just be on Facebook all day. Some pastors are on Facebook all day, but you can, right? And very few people know what you're doing with your time. Obviously, you're accountable for God, but it's not like that with a lot of other jobs. And so I think a lot of pastors feel the burden of that. They feel the the sting of it maybe sometimes that they don't use their time as well as they should. So they, they look to um, books like Deep Work. I think fourth, a pastor's work requires long periods of uninterrupted study. If you want to be faithful as a pastor, you got to prepare messages, right? You got to make sermons. Um, that requires you studying the word of God deeply. And so of course a book like deep work is going to be important to you because your craft requires depth, but here's the real rub at number five, a pastor's work also requires personal ministry, right? Actually working with people and that necessitates being open to interruption. And so I think it's these last two that cause the biggest conundrum for the pastor who wants to work deeply. The two most important aspects of pastoral ministry are teaching, right? So preparing messages, teaching them, and then shepherding individuals. But those are often at odds with each other, right? If you're a pastor, you want to study God's word deeply, but you're also always being interrupted from people who need you. And that's also part of your, your job. And so that's why I really think because of the unique nature of pastoral ministry in particular, I really think that if you're a pastor, you would really benefit from committing to deep work, get the book, read it, uh, look into some of the practical strategies for how you can eliminate distractions and develop a schedule that allows you to set sort of reasonable boundaries so you can go deep, but also be available to meet the needs of the people in your ministry faithfully. Um, I'll just say kind of briefly how I practically use deep work on a day-to-day basis. How do I, how do I schedule for it? It's a bit easier for me because like I literally just sit alone in the basement all day. So I, there's nobody to interrupt me. It's really just a battle between me and my, my devices for interruptions or my own proclivity to, for entertainment or something. But I'd tell you that the main way that I, um, that I use deep work is just with Pomodoro timers. You've probably read about these. If you've been interested in productivity stuff at all, basically putting some time on a clock, start the timer and making an agreement with yourself that you are going to focus on one task until that timer buzzes. That really is 
it. I mean, I have a little device here sitting in front of me that says that I did 10, 25 minute deep work sessions today. I, I count them up and that's awesome. I feel good about that. I feel like that's a, um, a day well spent. Obviously I have shallow activities I have to do, but if you make some of these timers and really just make a commitment in advance, I'm going to do this task for this amount of minutes or this amount of hours and nothing's going to distract me. That's really the simplest takeaway you can make and just start doing this today. All right. In conclusion, deep work is about straining your mind to produce the best quality work possible. It's really a form of like what Paul talked about, beating the body into submission, honing your craft, making your mind obedient to, to you so that you can use it best to serve God. It's not about phoning it in. It's about excelling. And all of those, to me, sound like worthy pursuits of a Christian. That seems like something we should cultivate. But I really think at the end of the day, really the main difference for how a Christian looks at this call to deep work is just motivation. I really think this book is so good, even though it's written from a secular perspective. And really the, the tweak I would make, or the, the discernment lens I would apply to you is just think about how our motivation is different. The, the book is written to help people advance in their careers. Will deep work help you advance in your career by giving you an edge? Probably will, honestly. And, and that's fine. But much more importantly, deep work produces the kind of work that pleases God and better serves others. Deep work, therefore, I think is a practice well worth embracing. If that's your motivation, I want to serve God better and I want to serve people better. Go for it. Get the book. Check it out try to cultivate this habit in your own life. Well, guys, thanks for listening to this episode. I will be here again next week with a very special group of guests. I'm excited about that episode. So I will see you again here next week. But until I do, remember this. In whatever you do, do it well and do it all to the glory of God. <laughs>